Welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. You can be seated. We got any warriors in the house this morning? It's so good to have you guys here with me today. And I am so excited to be at his church. And uh, before I go any further, I just want to give an official shout out to one of my best friends in all the world, Pastor Brian and Jesse Gibson. You have amazing leaders at this church, and you ought to thank God that you have the leaders that you have. I sure love them, and they have been just such an instrument of blessing in our life. And you guys have helped us plant a church, and uh, that church is thriving and going. In fact, we can't, we can't build fast enough right now. We've got so many people coming. Everybody said you can't grow a church in the middle of a pandemic, but I found out the devil is a liar, and so are a lot of other people. Come on. How many know God is on the throne, and God is up to something? And it's such a joy to be with you today, and I came loaded with my heart full. So I hope you brought your Bible to church, because coming to church without your Bible is like eating spaghetti without a fork. You get a lot on you, but not a lot in you. And I didn't come today to throw food at you. I came to put food in you. How many of you came to eat at the Lord's table today, right? So I want you to take out your Bible right now. Everybody should have one. If you got one with pages, that's great. I brought a glow-in-the-dark Bible. I read in the Bible where it says he's the light of the world. So I brought my light this morning. And I want you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. I could give you a lot of introductions, tell you a lot about what's going on at the bend today. But I'll be honest with you, I want to take all this time to just pump revelation into your spirit. And uh, I'll just warn you with my preaching, I I don't come to tickle ears and I don't move slow. I kind of have the mindset that if you come to the house of God, if you've taken time to come to the house of God, then you came here because you're hungry for some truth and you want some revelation knowledge, right? And I believe the key to everything is revelation and truth, right? You know the truth and the truth you know will make you free. All right, so I want you to go with me this morning to the book of Matthew chapter 16, and I'm going to read verse 18. They'll probably put verse 19 on the screen. Uh, Verse number 18, Jesus said, you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now let me just parenthetically insert here, this is his church, and I'm not talking about his church, the brand, or the building, or the name of your church. I think that's an incredible name. I wanted to steal it and prayed about stealing it. Uh, I think it's an awesome name. But we're not talking about his church, this place. We're talking about his church he's the owner of. This isn't your mama's church. This isn't your daddy's church. This isn't your grandpappy's church. Come on, somebody. This is his church. He is the head of this church, right? And then he said, and upon this church... Upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm glad this morning that I'm part of a kingdom that no matter what any other kingdoms of this world try to do, they cannot defeat his church. His church is built upon a rock, and the gates of hell itself cannot defeat his church. But look at verse number 19. And, everybody say and. 
Come on, I, I need more than three people. Everybody out loud, say it all over the campuses. And, and Jesus said, I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. If you're underlining your Bible, highlighting, I want you to underline that phrase, I'll give you keys. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. We're going to talk about that for a moment. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, if we've been in church any time at all, you and I have heard this passage of Scripture quoted. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. One of my favorite places to go in the land of Israel is Caesarea Philippi, where Jesus made this statement. If you've ever been to Israel, you have went to this spot, one of the most perverted, one of the most wicked spots of Jesus' time, and Jesus went out of his way to go to this spot to make a statement to the world that no matter how bad it is, I'm going to build a church that's going to be able to infect and change the entire world, even in the midst of its perversion. It was a statement that Jesus was making. It was the exact same place, by the way, that God cut covenant with Abraham with the smoking pot and furnace. It was in that exact same spot. And Jesus felt it important to go there in the midst of a culture that had lost its way that was crazy to make a statement about his church. And he would build it upon a rock and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. But there's a conjunction in verse number 19. That conjunction is and. Uh, in other words, you could actually say here, verse 19 is connected to verse number 19, or verse number 18. Verse 18 doesn't work if verse 19 doesn't work with it. Notice what Jesus said, and I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Uh, several months ago, I was asked by some uh, students at a coffee shop, they were discussing theology, and I walked in. They weren't part of our church, but they knew that I uh, study theology and do a lot of television stuff with Bible prophecy and things of that nature. And they asked me a question about current events and things that was happening, about who the president is and who the president should be, and all this different stuff. We're going in these different directions. And they said, what do you think about failed prophecies? What do you think about people who make statements that so-and-so is going to be in leadership and their prophecy didn't come to pass? And I said, well, I have a couple of observations with that. Number one, first observation that I will tell you is that uh, I think that we don't understand how much authority that you and I actually have and how much many prophecies are conditional upon obedience of people. We, we as prophets or people who prophesy, prophesy through a glass darkly. You don't see everything. You only see some things. And so since you see some things, you've got to understand that many of the prophets of the Old Testament, the prophecies that they gave didn't come to pass till many, de some of them decades after they had died. Sometimes I think it's very, it's very wrong to judge a prophecy in a very quick manner. There are things that you don't see. And not everybody who prophesies is a prophet. But there are some people who prophesy who are called pro false prophets. Uh, but they didn't miss it. In the Old Testament, many of your prophets were called false prophets, but they didn't miss it. It actually came to pass. Every word comes to pass. Come on, somebody. In a due season, God has a time and a purpose for everything under heaven. So we have that aspect. But there's another aspect as well. Many prophecies are conditional. If you remember, the prophet told the servant, he said, get the arrows and strike the ground for the Lord has defeated your enemies. Say that out loud with me. For the Lord has defeated your enemies. Now, listen, my, my daughter-in-law is African-American. I come from a hollerback church. A hollerback church means you got to talk to me or I'm going to preach all day. 
right? You, you holler back, say amen, talk to me. I'll preach short. So I'm going to leave it up to you. Everybody say, say it out loud with me. Come on, I need all of you at every campus. I need you to say stuff out loud with me. Y'all, I came to have fun in church. Is that all right? In Kentucky, is it all right to have fun in God's house? I want you to understand, listen, he said the Lord has defeated your enemies. Now say it. The Lord, there you go. The Lord has, let me ask you a question. Is God a false prophet? No, everything God says comes to pass, doesn't it? Well, here's what God said. The Lord has defeated your enemies. But when the young servant took the arrows and struck the ground, he only struck the ground two or three times. The prophet of God said, you should have stricken the ground many more times. Now the enemy's going to defeat you. In other words, the prophecy that I gave you that the Lord was going to defeat your enemies was contingent upon your obedience and your follow-through. So sometimes prophecies that are given aren't just on the prophet's back. Sometimes they're contingent on other people's back. There's a lot with Bible prophecy. And I get these questions all the time. And I want to pass a scripture off to you right now. It's found in the longest chapter in your Bible, Psalm 119. Listen, it says, The heavens belong to the Lord. The earth He has given to the sons of men. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, ladies and gentlemen, He said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion on the earth. When it comes to what goes on in the earth, God has put a certain realm of authority. And I think you and I have more authority in this earth than we think we do. Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. The first word power there is the Greek word exousia, which means legal right. Legal right. In other words, Jesus said, I give you legal right to walk on all the power, dunamis, the power or force of the enemy. There is something that is stronger than force. It's called legal right. Did you know you can be a strong man, break into a house, but if you don't have a legal right to that house, you're going to go to jail. There is something called legal right. Jesus, look at me, has given us legal right. Behold, I give unto you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be loosed in heaven. Many of us are waiting on God to show up in our life, but God is waiting on us to take responsibility for our life and do the things that he's called us to do. We don't understand that with this authority, we have the ability through keys that he's given us to open doors on the earth that open corresponding portals in the heaven. In other words, something's got to take place on the earth in order for heaven to respond. This is all through the word of God all through the Word of God. I don't care if you go all the way back to the the cry of Abel's blood from the ground. The cry of Abel's blood provoked God to respond. The cry for injustice in the days of Noah provoked God to respond in a flood. Jesus said, if you ask anything on this planet in my name, I shall do it, implying if you don't ask, it don't get done. Isn't that what James said? You have not because you ask. Is that too much scripture for you already? Come on, y'all are zoning out on me. Don't zone out on me yet. We're not even got into the heavy stuff. What I'm trying to teach you is we have passed the buck and the blame to everybody else for our life and for the condition of a nation or for the condition of our homes or for the condition of our schools or the condition of our family when in reality, it's our responsibility. Jesus has given us keys and whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, if I shut 
put a door on the earth, there's, a, there's something in the heavens in the spirit realm that shuts the door. If I open a door on the earth, there's something in the spirit realm, there's a door or the portal that's open. And God has given us keys. Now what are these keys? These keys are spiritual disciplines. Prayer is a key. You have not because you ask not. Prayer opens a door on the earth that gives God legal right to move into this dimension that he's given us legal right to. The heavens belong to the Lord. The earth he's given to the sons of men. Prayer is a key. People say, why pray? Because it is actually a legal transaction that is taking place. I don't have time to take, teach on the depths of prayer. I'll come back and do that another time. Prayer is a key, right? Worship is a key. Worship is a key. Praise and worship is a key, right? God says, if you praise, I'm going to show up. Where there's two or three gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Worship is a key. Coming to church is a key. Coming to church is a key. If we gather together, there's a door that's open in the realm of the Spirit. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Why? Because it is a key. Giving is a key. And don't worry, I'm not taking another offering so you can relax. Giving is a key. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. There'll be meat in my house. And prove me now here with Seth, the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open the windows of heaven. I do something in the earth and a window in heaven open. Giving isn't about the money you give. It's about a spiritual discipline that opens a spiritual portal in your life so that heaven can come now and invade the natural realm of your life. Unity is a key. Unity is a key. Unity is a regulator of the anointing, right? How precious it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil that flows over the head of Aaron. Unity is a regulator of the anointing. Disunity will stop the anointing or the power of God, the manifestation of the power of God for flowing. Oh, y'all don't even believe this, okay? Let me try it over on this side. For example, a husband and a wife can't even get prayers answered if they are not in agreement. The scripture says, if you're not in agreement, your prayers are hindered. Why is that? Because unity is a key. If you don't unify here, you shut a door. Whatever you bind on the earth is bound in heaven. It doesn't matter if God wants to do it. The issue is it's not God's fault. The issue is you've got a door shut, slammed, locked down here that you got to get opened up. These are keys that you've got to utilize. You utilize the keys. I give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in whatever you loose on will be loosed in heaven right so we've got to learn to open these doors that God has given us on the earth so that God can open these portals in the heavens so that heaven can come now and invade our life. Let me give you a scripture, Revelation 3.20. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door... I'll come into him and sup with him with he with me. Think about this. This is after Jesus talking about to the seven churches of Asia Minor, which are seven major phases of church history. The Laodicean church being the last phase of church history, which we're in right now, the lukewarm church. They think they're okay. They got all the cool light sound and everything is great. The problem is Jesus isn't in the building. How many churches this morning are gathering together, have all the trappings of religion, but Jesus is outside? You say, well, how do you know if Jesus is in the building or not? Well, if Jesus is in the building and people bring demon spirits in with them, the presence of the Lord drives them crazy. 
Come to my church and the bend and let the anointing get to work and let the gifts of the Spirit go to move. And people, demon spirits, they'll come throw themselves on the altar begging for mercy. When's the last time you had that, his church? Sure is quiet in this Baptist church. Okay, let me try it over on this side. Where Jesus is, people get healed. Where, where Jesus shows up, people get healed. When, where Jesus is, people get saved. Life gets transformed. Well, I'm telling you something. When Jesus shows up, drug addicts start bringing their, their, their needles and start throwing them on the platform, and they get set free. Thank God for AA. Thank God for Celebrate Recovery. Thank God for Teen Challenge. But nothing can set you free like the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost in a service. Come on, somebody. Here's the truth. We're having church. He ain't here. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I'll come in into him, sup with him, and he with me. What a travesty it is that we could have church and Jesus not be here. But you know what's even worse than that? That we could have church and we think he is here, but he's not. In other words, we just keep going through the motions. We keep going through the calisthenics. We keep going through the songs. We just keep on doing the same old, same old. But there's nothing supernatural really happening. I'm trying to convict you today. We need to get back to having a move of the Holy Ghost in our churches and letting Jesus take some ownership. Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right? Then preach myself happy. See, y'all don't understand. I'll preach myself happy. I'll amen myself, lay hands on myself. I'll fall out. I'll catch myself. I'll pull, the, I'll pull the rug up over my knees myself. I'll pick myself back up. I'll preach myself happy. Right? I want to ask you, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, I will come. If any man will what? If any man will what? If any man will what? I, I can't hear you. If any man will what? In other words, there's got to be a door open on the earth. For Jesus to do something. Now let me give you some hope. Revelation chapter 4 verse 1. Right after that verse, Revelation chapter 4 verse 1. John said, I heard a voice in heaven. And I saw, I looked up and I saw a door open in the heaven. And the voice said, come up here. Somebody in Revelation 3.20 heard Jesus knocking. Revelation chapter 4, somebody opened the door. And they were taken up to another level. Are y'all with me in this room? We've got to open the door. We have more authority than we think we do. Look at me. If you don't like where your life is right now, quit blaming everybody else. Quit blaming your past. Quit bl blaming what happened to you. Quit blaming what somebody did to you. Realize you are today where you have decided to be. You are the sum total of your actions, thoughts, and everything you've done up to this moment. Quit blaming everybody else. The good news is you have authority to change your life. If you don't like the way you're living, you can make a decision today. You can open a door on this earth. Heaven will invade your life, and your life will totally be turned around. Somebody ought to say yes and amen to that at every single campus. We got to open a door. Now watch. I'm going to go real fast now because I got to get to some slides, some pictures to show you. In the book of Numbers chapter 16, there's a story about a group of people. Moses is building a tabernacle to facilitate heaven on the earth. And there's a group of people that's fighting him. They're called the sons of Korah. The Bible says God gets angry at them. And watch now, he calls them to the door of the tabernacle. And the scripture makes this statement, and he judges them at the door. 
One man was trying to open a door for God. Another group of people was trying to close a door on the earth. And God judged between them at the door. Listen to me. The judgment of God will always meet you at the doors you refuse to open. Selah. He judges you at every door. Now, the earth opened up and swallowed up the group of people, the sons of Korah that were standing against Moses, but their descendants, their sons and daughters were standing back, saw mama and daddy and all of them get swallowed up in the ground, and guess what they decided? They decided it was pretty important. The door to God's house was pretty important. So you know what they did? They said, we're never going to close doors that don't need to be closed again. We're going to learn to be doorkeepers. And if you go over to 1 Chronicles, it is the sons of Korah that are the doorkeepers in the house of the Lord. They're the ones that say, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in God's house than be anything else. They, un- they, they learned the importance of opening doors and shutting doors. Are y'all listening to me? If you go over to the book of Psalms, in Psalms, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Sons of Korah wrote that. You think somebody learned the importance of opening a door on the earth and the presence of God coming into their life? You hear them saying, oh, my heart longs for thy tabernacles, O God. In Psalms 89, my heart longs for thy tabernacles. I'm thirsty for your presence. How my heart and my flesh, they do cry out. Sons of Korah wrote all of those. So listen to me. If you've been a part of a generation that's kept doors closed, you can be a generation now who opens doors. We can open that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth to be loosed in heaven. You've got a more authority over your life than you think you do. Let me take you to a passage of scripture and show you something really interesting. Genesis chapter 28. Everybody just look this way. It's the story of Jacob. Jacob the swindler. Jacob the con artist. Jacob who has royally messed up his life. He is broke, busted, disgusted. He is jacked up. He is running from one end of the country to the other end of the country for his life. And the Bible says he reaches the end of his rope. Watch now. He lays his head on a rock. Whenever you're making some dumb decisions, you just need to go lay your head on the rock. Right? He lays his head on the rock, and the Bible says he goes into a deep sleep, and he has a dream. Now listen very closely. And he sees a ladder stretched from the earth to the heaven. That's odd. You would think it would be coming from the heaven to the earth. But the Scripture says, no, it's coming from the earth to the heaven. Why? Because there has to be something done on the earth in order for heaven to respond. God has said it this way. He gave authority to man. He sees this ladder stretch to heaven, and the Bible says the angels of God are ascending and descending on this ladder. Now, I told the first service, I'm going to tell you, listen up. I don't see angels as wimpy little things. Like, I, I don't see them like Urkels running around with their britches pulled up to here in little glass. I don't see them as Urkels. Some of y'all don't even know what an Urkel is, okay? I'm so old right now. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, when, I, when I think angels, I think of the gun show. I mean, I just think of, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking like wrestlers, like the big show. You know, I mean, I'm thinking like, mm. I mean, one angel kills 185,000 Assyrians. That dude's bad to the bone, right? So I'm thinking they got to be some big angels. So let's just take the biggest guy in the room. Let's say you're 6'2", six, 6'3", six, and you weigh about 275 or 300 pounds. If you take two big guys and you put them on a ladder and they're ascending and descending, they're passing one another, I got to realize in, in that past scripture that ladder has got to be a pretty big ladder, right? 
It's got to be big enough for these angels to come and go, and they're passing one another. So I'm reading this passage of Scripture in Genesis 28, and I am just enamored with this ladder. So I do what every theologian does when they want to know more about a word. I go to the, I go to the Hebrew, right? And, and I look at the original text, and when I look at it, the word ladder comes up as an interesting. It's not ladder. Actually, the translation is a spiral staircase. A spiral staircase. And so I'm going to ask them to put a picture behind me on the screen right here. This is a spiral staircase. My wife and I went to, uh, to uh, the Biltmore Mansion, and we got to see all these beautiful spiral staircases. And this spiral staircase here going up and down. And so this is more of what that Jacob saw when he laid his head on the rock. He saw a spiral staircase. And watch now. It was going from the earth to the heavens. And the angels of God were ascending. Notice, they weren't descending first. They were ascending first. Something was being sent up in order for something to be able to be sent down. And he, he sees this ladder, and the angels are ascending and descending on it. I thought, oh, man, this is so cool. And, I mean, I'm just really into this. And there's got to be a revelation on this, you know. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps on my goosebumps. I'm doing the Michael Jackson moonwalk and the Holy Ghost. And come on, somebody. You know, I got... That's a, that's a 1970s reference, you know. That's the sprinkler for those of you guys that don't know it. Do it sometime at your prom. It'll make you really popular. Right? So anyway, so I'm looking at this ladder, and I, I, I do what every great theologian does when they're stumped, and they don't know what else, but they know there's something to it, and they don't know what else, where else to go. I, I Googled it. And when I Googled ladder, all of these pictures of spiral staircases, ladders kept coming up, spiral staircase. I thought, oh, this is so cool, spiral staircase. This is not what I'm looking for, though. I care nothing about Wayfair.com. I don't want to look at it. I mean, I don't care anything about a ladder. I'm trying to figure out why is God talking to me about a ladder stretched from the earth to the heaven. And I keep scrolling down, and I go through several pages, and finally I see NASA.gov, and I get ticked. And I think, oh, yeah, this is great. NASA is building a spiral staircase now. And they're using my tax dollars, and I am mad about it. So you know what? I'm going to click on that thing and bless the Lord. I'm going to send some letters to some congressmen and complain about the waste of my tax dollars at NASA. And I click on NASA.gov. All of a sudden, it comes up to this physics page where they're talking about something called the golden ratio, the Fibonacci effect, the golden ratio. The golden ratio, for those that don't know, I'm acting like I did know, but but I studied. So anyway, I'm on, you know, I, it, the golden ratio is a mathematical equation. It is 1.618. It's a mathematical equation. 1.618. What I, as I began to read about the golden ratio, I discovered something. The golden ratio manifests itself. In other words, if you, if you were to take the mathematical equation, you could put it in pictorial form. It always manifests itself as a spiral staircase. I thought, well, that's just, that's cool, you know. Got this mathematical equation. I read on down, it said this mathematical equation can be found in every single living organism on the planet. I said, no way. So I started, I started Googling the, the, uh, the golden ratio, and the first thing I came to was a picture of the galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy. Put it up behind me, guys. This is the picture of the Milky Way galaxy. What do you see there? A spiral staircase. you got to understand, you and I are moving through the universe at 186,000 miles per second. 
186,000 miles per second. Speed of light. But the problem is, as we're moving, watch this, that the universe is actually traveling like this. So what you're seeing, that spiral staircase is actually extending off into outer space. It's creating a spiral staircase. I thought, oh man, that's cool. No wonder Paul, or no wonder David said the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament does show his handiwork. No wonder Paul said a man can look at creation and, and he'll be without excuse on the day of judgment. And, and so I just went a little further. I said, well, I wonder what else the golden ratio is in. And I started looking at the atmosphere all around the earth. Ch check this out. The clouds, put them up guys. This is clouds forming all over the earth. Every storm Every storm, no matter where it forms in the earth, forms just like this and creates a spiral staircase. I said, well, I wonder what else this golden ratio can be seen in. And so I went to the next picture. Go, guys, the next picture. And I found plant life, all plant life is formed on this 1.618 ratio, a golden staircase. You can literally, or golden ratio, it is a spiral staircase. Look at the little spirals in the staircase, right? What you see right here is a spiral staircase, but notice it does it all the way down. And what you don't understand in this picture is from this end to that end, it is always on a perfect 1.618 ratio. I said, I wonder what else has got this golden ratio in it. Come on, go to the next one, guys. And I found out that all animal life is built on a golden ratio. It doesn't matter if it's a snail or a lion or an elephant, giraffe. All of them, all their bodies are designed on a 1.618 mathematical ratio. You, every human being, I don't care how big, tall you are, how fat you are, how skinny you are, how ugly you are, how pretty you are. Come on, somebody. I don't care. You, you literally are designed on a 1.618 golden ratio scale. You're everything. So I thought, man, this is awesome. The universe has this golden ratio, this spiral staircase to it. And, and, and then plant life and, and the atmosphere and animal life. And I go all the way through that and I say, oh, I get it now, God. What you're trying to show me is everything that you have created. Everything that God, listen, look at me. Everything that God has ever created is a vehicle for the manifestation of his glory to show who he is in the earth, right? So, so I got to keep going. And then I was shocked when I kept reading about the golden ratio and all of a sudden this came up. This is the strand of your DNA. Basically, at the very fundamentals of the building blocks of who we are, we're nothing more than a spiral staircase. That's what we are. Now listen, to none of the others, not animals, not plants, not anything, to none of those things has God ever said, you have dominion. To none of those things has he said, I've given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He's only said that to man and woman. Only a man and a woman has that potential. You say, what are you trying to teach me today, pastor? I'm trying to teach you you got more authority than you think you have. I'm trying to teach you if you don't like the way the world is, you don't have to complain about it. You don't have to, you don't have to get on Instagram about it or Facebook about it. You don't have to write people about it. You can actually make the change. You've got authority. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You and I are nothing more than a staircase for the angels to ascend and descend on us. That's the reason when the worship leader says lift those hands, 
you make a decision. You're either going to climb the ladder or, hey, I think I'll be the ladder. Whenever you'd make a decision on earth, heaven responds in like manner. I'm teaching you something good today. I'm telling you right now, if we don't like the way the world is, there is still time to make a change. Yes, Jesus has built a church on the rock that the gates of hell cannot prevail against, but he is waiting on the church to exercise their authority, to take the keys of the kingdom of God, to open some doors right here on this planet and open a spiritual door in the heavens so that heaven can come and let your kingdom come on Come on, help me. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven has an agenda, but the kingdom's got to come into position or alignment on the earth so that something takes place and there can be a manifestation. This is all that church is really about. Whenever we come together, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 10, 9, or 12, 13, 14, and the manifestation. Everybody say it. The manifestation. We call it the gifts, but the Bible calls it the manifestation of the Spirit. What is that? Somebody came to church church. When somebody gives a tongue, interpretation of tongue, or they got a word from the Lord, or something like that, here's what happened. Somebody came to church, and they were sensitive enough, they heard Jesus knocking. And they said, God, you can use me. And they became a ladder. And all of a sudden, here comes the manifestation of the Holy Spirit from that realm into this realm. And blesses everybody in the room. I don't know about you. I want to see more miracles. I want if it's in the if it's in the Bible, I want to see it. I'm greedy like that. I don't want to be a, lot, a part of a church anymore that just does lip service. I don't want to talk a big game. I don't want to shout a big game. I don't want to come up here on the platform and dance a big game. I'm tired of all of that. I'm tired of the dog and pony show. I'm tired of the trappings of religion. Let me tell you what I want. I want the manifestation of the Spirit of God into this realm. I want to become the ladder so God can do whatever He wants to do in the earth. I wonder, is there anybody here in Owensboro or in Dumas or in Henderson or there in Amarillo that said, God, I want to be the ladder the vehicle for manifestation of the glory of God so I want you to stand with me here and at all the campuses it's been an honor to preach the word of God to you today but can I, can I be transparent with you can I be honest we're friends I love you can I be honest it's alright I get tired of preaching I get tired of just beating a drum I want to see something now. I want to see the glory of the Lord in the land of the living. I want to see these young people so on fire. You know, sometimes I think we've done so much to try to get away from the old that we've run too far from it. I want to see some of those days where the glory of the Lord is so strong that we have to carry our young people out to the car because they're so drunk in the Holy Ghost they can't stand up. That's what I want to see. I want to see it. You say, oh, well, that's crazy, church, and you'll scare people off. Well, the pandemic scared people off, and they ain't coming back. How about let's let the Holy Ghost scare the ones off who really don't want it, and let's draw the ones who are really hungry for the things of God, hungry for the Spirit of God, hungry for anybody in here, hungry for revival, hungry for a move of the Holy Ghost to sweep the whole earth. 
Here's what I've been telling the enemy. You better back up. I'm bad and I'm mad. This is my time. I'm going to open a door on the planet. I'm going to be a doorkeeper for the glory of God, for the house of God. I'm going to open a door and God's going to open something in the heaven. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to close the door of abortion. I'm going to close the doors of addiction. I'm going to close the doors of abuse. I'm going to close the door of all kind of perversion. I'm going to close the door. Whatever I bind on earth, devil is bound in heaven. You're not going to take my community. You're not going to take my city. You can't have Owensboro. You can't have Henderson. You can't have Dumas. You can't have Amarillo. You can't have any of it. If anything goes on in these towns, it'll be because I open the door or close the door. you got to come through me to get my city. So therefore, I make a decision right now. I'm going to open a door for the glory of God. You say, well, you're talking big stuff. No, I believe what I'm telling you. I believe what I'm telling you. I'm asking you, do you believe it? Because he's knocking. He's knocking. What most churches need to use is their opening song. I hear you knocking, but you can't come in. That's what, I mean, that's what, why don't we just put that on our big screens? I hear you knocking, but you can't come in. We got our order. We got our plan. I hear you knocking, but you can't come in. I feel the, I feel the prophetic right on me right now. I feel like something. God wants to do something for us today to break us out of it. We're so predictable. We're so predictable. If I wanted to do something violent in any church, I could go to church twice and tell you when to do and what to do because we're so predictable. But what would happen if next Sunday when y'all come in, before you got here, you were praying and you were fasting and you're saying, God, I'm going to open a door. If you want to use me this morning, go ahead and use me. I'll break up. I'll break out. You, you, you come on me. I dance like a bad habit in the aisle. I'll throw down. I don't care. I'll mess it all up. You say, what if pastor, if pastor wants to correct that, he'll correct that. The problem is we need something to correct now. We got so little going on, we don't even have nothing to discipline no more. Used to, I went to church and pastor had to get up every service. Uh, lady, you need to sit down. Uh, sir, you need to get up out of the floor. Quit faking that over there. That's how we did church, right? Now we come to church, pastor don't, here's all we can say. Hey, let's clap. Let's shout. No devils getting rebuked. Nobody getting free. Everybody's still living the same way they're living doing the same thing they do? Are we going to get tired of that? Are we going to get tired of that at some point? Are we going to go back to really getting hungry for the things of God, really getting thirsty for the things of God? So here's what I'm going to ask right now. I'm going to ask every pastor at every campus to come. And here's what we're going to do. I'm getting ready to pray, and I'm going to step out of the way. And here's the deal today. I'm not really looking for anything. I'm not looking for you to fall out. I'm not even looking for you to come to the altar. I've kind of started a company. You ought to be part of it. We're taking free members into this corporation called I Don't Give a Rip Incorporated. I've quit, I've quit worrying about what church people do and what church people think. I quit worrying about that. I'm not really, I'm not looking for anything. I don't have God in a little religious box. I don't have him in a Pentecostal box. I don't have him in a non-denominational box. I'm tired of the box. God has broken my box. I am busted. I can't handle that no more. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to simply pray. I'm going to step out of the way. In just a moment, I'm getting a car and I'm going to go back to Cookville, Tennessee with my wife. But what happens in this church after this moment won't be because of me and it won't be because of you 
or Pastor Brian, it'll be because of some people in this room who say, you know what, I've made up my mind. I'm going to become a vehicle for the manifestation of the glory of God. It is unfair to put all the pressure on a pastor, put all the pressure on a worship team, put all the pressure on a youth department or a children's department for them to perform to get us a certain level of breakthrough. No, my friend, everybody in this room needs to come and open a door which no man can shut and shut a door which no man can open. Be the vehicle for manifestation. I saw, was it March 31st, you're having a revival night? Thank God for revival nights. I love revival nights. You're having a revival night. What's going to be different about it? What's going to be different about it? Well, we're actually going to pray in the altars. Really? That's all you got with God? Bad preacher, don't come into a church and talk like that when you're a visiting preacher. My problem is I'm a prophet of God and I can't stand nothing dead and dried up and plucked up. And I definitely can't stand a spirit-filled Pentecostal church who knows what the move of the Holy Ghost is but yet has just gotten lethargic and lazy and comfortable in their situation. This is not the time to be comfortable, friends. This is the time to get dangerous for the things of Almighty God. I'm crazy. I'll plant a church in the middle of the pandemic and spit in the devil's face and tell him to go to hell. I'm crazy. I wish I could find some other crazy folk. Father, with our head bowed and our hearts broken, we come before you honestly, thoroughly, totally, convicted we are so comfortable break us out of this mold that we're in set us on fire for the glory of God I pray Lord here in Owensboro Dumas, Henderson Amarillo send the fire of God into these campuses. So set them ablaze that there comes this atmosphere of the supernatural into the church that they will never be the same again. I pray God something supernatural would begin to take over at every single campus. And Lord, that they'll start coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west, hungry and hurting and broken and destitute and blind. And those that, Lord, are bound will come in and find freedom in the house of God, not because we're here but because we opened a door and we said Lord let it come on earth as it is in heaven this is our prayer today forgive us forgive us for allowing the enemy to lull us to sleep today we understand we are the staircase manifest in me come on put your hand over your heart say it manifest in me 
Lift both those hands to the Lord right now. Give, give God an opportunity just in your own ways. Just say, Lord, I want those angels ascending and descending on me. Make me the ladder that heaven comes up and down on. I want to be the manifestation of the presence of God in every community, in every place that I go. Everything that I do belongs to you, Jesus. We can't do this without you, Lord. We need you more than we need our breath. So God, fill us again. Fill us again. Burn in us again. This is our prayer today. In Jesus' name. Now with head bowed, if you're in here today and you say, Pastor, I'll be honest with you. I'm not where I need to be with God. I'm not right with the Lord. Maybe you've never given the Lord your life, but maybe you have or you backslidden. I don't know. I want every head bowed. If that's you and you say, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I want you to lift your hand real quick. Lift your hand real quick. God bless you. Lift your hand real quick. Listen to me. If you lifted your hand or you didn't and you know you should have, I don't care what campus you're at, I want every campus to pray this prayer out loud and let's pray it like we believe it. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, say it out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you died for my sins. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you arose from the grave and you're alive right now. So with my heart and with my mouth, I confess. Ready? Jesus is Lord. Come on, say it out loud and make the devil mad about it. Jesus is Lord. One more time. Jesus is Lord. Now listen.